Well, amen. Ain't God good? <laughs> wow. So glad to be back home this morning. Mm. I've enjoyed the time of worship. I'm so thankful that here we have freedom in worship. Amen? And I always want you to know that you are free to worship the Lord. Um, you are free to sing to Him. You know what I figured out? God don't care how I sing, but He does care if I sing. <laughs> now, the people around me may care how I sing, but I'm not worshiping for them. Amen? <laughs> and you're not either. Hey, just sing to the Lord, for He is worthy of praise. The Bible says, Paul told Timothy, he said, I would that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands. If you want to lift your hands and surrender to the Lord, praising, honoring, glorifying, worshiping Him, man, feel free in that. You are free in worship. He is truly worthy of our praise. And, uh, I am so glad to be here with you this morning. Take your Bibles and turn with me, please, to Romans chapter number 8. And I want to read to you primarily one verse this morning um, in Romans chapter 8. And I'm going to entitle this message, Conquering in Christ. Conquering in Christ. To conquer means to gain the victory on the field of battle, whatever field that might be. Uh, this morning, I've brought just a few pictures. Sometimes uh, I've heard it said that a picture is worth a thousand words, and maybe that's right. But um, I've brought up just a few pictures that let you know what victory looks like, what conquering looks like, or who the conquerors are. And so, brother, if you have that, please put the first one up there. I want you to see this first picture. Many of you know um, who that is this morning. Is You've probably heard about him for the last two or three months, maybe longer than that. But that's Floyd Mayweather. And last night he defeated Conor McGregor. And um, he is now 50-0 and 0 as a professional boxer. Um, and he, he is definitely a conqueror. He won his victory on his field of battle. Now, you see how much he's smiling there. I'll tell you why he's smiling. Last night he made $180 million. And so if there is any, anything that might put a smile on your face, it's, it's $180 million. It may not keep the smile on your face, but it'll put it on there for a little bit. And uh, that he is definitely smiling big there. But that's a picture of a conqueror. Let me give you another one. Go ahead, brother. Go to the next picture, please. That is from the uh, 2008 Iron Bowl. And as you can see, it's a picture of those who gained victory on the field of battle. Can you say amen? And I'm um, looking forward to more of that in this upcoming football season. But, uh, yeah, preach it. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, that's, that's a picture of those who have conquered. Now, listen, folks, how many of you know this morning, as believers, we are conquerors? Y'all yeah, didn't hear me in that, I don't guess, or maybe you just don't believe what I'm telling you. But as believers, we are conquerors. The Bible says that we have been given the victory through the Lord Jesus. I'm not a conqueror. I haven't gained the victory in who I am or what I've done. Uh, but it is certainly gained in who He is and what He has done and what He continues to do in and through me in my life. And that's the same if, for you if you are here today and are a child of God. So we are conquerors. The Bible says as much in Romans chapter 8 and the 37th verse. He says, nay, in all these things. Everybody say all these things. In all these things. We'll talk about these things in a minute. But he says all of them. All these things 
We are more than conquerors. Those who have gained the victory on the field of battle, we're more than conquerors through him that loved us. Now, who is the one that loved us? Well, it's the one who laid down his life for us. Amen? It's the one who went to a cross and shed his blood for us. It's the one, brother, who went through the agony in the garden that you spoke about this morning so powerfully. It's the Lord Jesus. He loved us. And so the Bible says we have gained the victory through him. Let us pray. Father, we love you. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. You've loved us first. And Lord, we praise you for that. Without you, we have nothing and are nothing. But with you, all things are possible. Lord, I'm asking this morning that you move me completely out of the way. These folks don't need to hear my thoughts or my opinions. They need to hear your truth, Lord. And I'm praying this morning by the power of you, Holy Spirit, you speak your truth to me and through me. Lord, would you fill me up and pour me out in the lives of these people today? Lord, I'm praying you do what only you can do. You impart truth as I preach truth by your power. In Jesus' mighty name, we do pray, and for your sake, amen and amen. Conquering in Christ. The truth is, all of us have fields of battle, amen? And I've come to figure out in my walk with Jesus, um, there are many different fronts that I battle on. Maybe you found that to be true as well. Some of us uh, battle physically, uh, battles day by day. The Bible says that we have an earthly house made of flesh. But how many of you know this earthly house made of flesh is temporal? That means it is continually fading away. It is continually growing weaker and weaker and weaker for each and every one of us. And because of that, there are times in our life when we face physical battles. Each and every one of us do. Some of us face emotional battles. And I want you to, it's amazing to me that many times in the Christian community, sometimes people who go through discouragement and depression, many times there's a stigma that goes along with that. Let me say something to you. Those emotional battles that people face are no different from the physical battles that we face. It's just battles. Can you say amen? And we all face them. I don't care if you've been saved for five months or 50 years. I don't care if you're preaching in the pulpit or sitting in the pew. We all, from time to time, we face emotional battles. We get down and out. We get discouraged. Listen, sometimes we walk in depression. You know what I love about King David? We talked about him in our men's group this morning. Him being the man after God's own heart. Let me say this. David was just real with God. Can you say amen? You go back and you read his writing in the book of Psalms. Listen, if he was rejoicing in the Lord, he wrote about it. He sung about it. He praised God for what he was going through. But there was times that David just got downright depressed. And when he did, he just told the Lord all about it. So if the man after God's own heart can go through doubt and discouragement and depression, can we not as well? Sometimes we face physical battles, emotional battles. Sometimes we face relational battles. How many ever been there? Folks, I want to tell you something. Whether it be in the marital relationship or the parental relationship, in your relationship with your friends, your workmate, whatever the case may be, we face battles relationally. I've got to say something to you this morning. If you don't have a perfect marriage, join the club. You know there are no perfect marriages. I think a lot of times what we do, we look around and try to compare ourselves to everybody else. 
We get on Facebook and compare our worst to someone else's best. See, that's all you put on Facebook is your best. You put what looks good. What might impress others. Can you say amen? And we look at all this other stuff and then we look at ourselves and listen, it brings us down about where we are. There are no perfect relationships. There are no perfect marriages. I've got a great marriage, but folks, I'll be honest, I don't have a perfect marriage. Ask Brandy. She certainly don't have a perfect husband. I'm working on it. Trying to grow in the Lord and be what God wants me to be. But I'm just saying we all face these battles. I, I want you to know I love my babies with everything in me. I am fired up about being their father. I love them. But I don't have a perfect relationship with my kids from time to time. I face battles in that area. I was listening to a pastor friend of mine the other day, and he said, Brother, I want to tell you something. He said, I love my kids with all my heart. He said, matter of fact, I wouldn't take a million dollars for any of my kids. I agree with that. I'll go a step further. I wouldn't even take the $180 million that uh, Mr. Mayweather won last night for, not, for one of my kids. I wouldn't do it. But then he looked at me and he said this, I wouldn't take a million dollars for any of my kids, but I wouldn't give you a nickel for any more just like them. <laughs> There's times that we struggle relationally, and you are not alone. Can you say amen? Don't feel like you're the only one that goes through these troubles that somehow God's forgot about you or you've messed up colossally and it can never be fixed. Let me say something. God's grace is sufficient for us all. Amen. And according to His truth, we are more than conquerors. I'm trying my best to encourage somebody today. Can you say amen? We might need some encouragement. The best place I know to find that is right here in God's Precious word. Sometimes we face financial battles. Can you say amen? Dr. Fred Luter said there's times in his life where his money got funny and his change got strange. You ever been there? Sure. We have battles, brothers and sisters. Battles that we face daily. Uh, the Apostle Paul wrote about it right here in Romans 8. Look what he says in Romans 8.35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? He, he lists some things. He says, shall tribulation. Tribulation are those things sent by the enemy to destroy you and to destroy what God is doing in your life, what God wants to do in your family. Those times of tribulation. And the apostle Paul asks the question, who is going to separate us from God's love? Can the tribulation sent by the enemy that we face in this life, can it separate you from God's love? According to God's truth, it can't. He says, or distress, persecution, persecute, being persecuted for your faith, persecuted at your workplace, persecuted at school for walking, living for Jesus. He says, none of these things can separate you from God's love. Famine or nakedness. I, when I read this this week, studying for this message, um, I couldn't help but to think about my brothers and sisters in Haiti. When me and Miss Brandy went down to Haiti on the mission trip, that just blessed my soul. I saw that some, there are some believers in the world who are certainly struggling, struggling with clothes to put on their back. I want to tell you, some of those folks ain't got but one suit of clothes. Some of them don't even have that. There's running water through their village in a, in a drainage ditch. 
that happens one day a week on Thursday. And so on Thursday, we were riding around going door-to-door witnessing. We saw a whole lot of naked people. Let me tell you why. They were washing their clothes on wash day, and that's all they had. So while their clothes were being washed or drying, they were walking around naked. Now let me tell you what I found out. I found out that even in nakedness, they still had victory. Listen, you couldn't tell they had nothing by their, their speech, by how they talked. You couldn't tell they had nothing by the smile on their face. You couldn't tell they had nothing, materially speaking, by their view of God. Some of the happiest, joyful Christians, most joyful I've ever been around in my life because they realized true joy, true peace, true purpose, true contentment, it don't come through material things. It comes in Jesus. It's this loving Jesus and trusting Him every day. Praise God. No matter what you face, you can walk in victory. Isn't that good? How do we do it? How do we do it? Let me give you three ways. Number one, it's through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God. Look with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I love this. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. You need to put a star by this verse, underline it. Write it down somewhere so you'll remember it because this is important for us all. This speaks volumes to the believer. Look what it says. 1 Corinthians 3.16. The Apostle Paul again asks the question. He says, know you not that you're the temple of God. Now he's writing to these believers in Corinth. And he says, do you not know that you are God's temple? I've heard it said that in the Old Testament, under the Old Covenant, God had a temple for His people. But under the New Covenant, under grace, because of the Lord Jesus, God has a people for His temple. (laughs) Temple for His people in the Old Testament, people for His temple in the New Testament. Well, praise God. That means that God... In the person of the Holy Spirit lives in you. Once you are born again into the family of God, the Bible says that you are indwelled by His presence, baptized into the church. Can you say amen? And now God lives in you. And because God lives in you, He enables you to do whatever needs doing for His kingdom. Listen to me now. And to go through whatever He brings you to. How many of you believe this morning if God brings you to it, He'll bring you through it? Why? Because you've got the power of the Holy Spirit now. You are not alone in this life. He helps you wherever you are and whatever you're going through. Somebody say amen if you believe that. If you've experienced that. The greatest time of heartache and hurt in my life was when my brother passed away in 2000, the year 2000. My best friend, he was more than just my brother. He was, again, he just, we were his best friends. We did everything together. He was tragically killed in a car wreck. And I'm going to tell you something, folks. It rocked my world completely. But you know what I experienced through that? The power of God like never before. Whatever you're facing, by God's power and presence, He can and will bring you through. 
Let me show you how that works. Go to the book of John with me just a minute. John chapter 14, Jesus is speaking unto his disciples about the gift of the Holy Spirit that was coming after he ascended to the Father. And he makes it very plain to them and to us in verse 15. John 14, verse 15, it says, If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you, watch this, another comforter. Now those two words are very interesting. The word another means one like unto myself. What Jesus is saying is this, while I am with you, I'm going to be your comforter. While I am with you walking in this earth, I'm going to be your guide. While I am with you, I am going to be your teacher. But how many of you know, Jesus was born into this earth so that he might die for us. He was born as a man so that he might die for men. And after he died for men and he conquered the grave, then he ascended back to his rightful place at the right hand of his heavenly father. So he went back to his father. But guess what? He did not leave these early believers alone. He said, while I'm here, I'll be everything you need. But when I leave, I'm not leaving you alone. I'm sending back another just like myself. And then he's going to be your comforter. The Greek word there is parakletos. Parakletos means one who comes alongside to help. So what's Jesus saying? He said in verse 15, And I will pray the Father and he shall give you one just like myself who comes alongside to help you. That's who the Holy Spirit is. Amen? That's what He does. He helps you in every situation, good and bad. In all these things, we are more than conquerors. How? By the power of God. You're wondering what to do? Ask the Lord what to do. You need wisdom in dealing with your kids or dealing with your spouse or dealing with your friends, those relational battles you face, ask God for it. You need help dealing with those emotional and physical battles. He's there to help you. He's the parakletos, one who comes alongside to help. He's just like Jesus. And he gives to his people Exactly what they stand in need of. Wisdom when they need it. Power to overcome whatever they face. He says that he may abide with you forever. Verse 17. Even the spirit of truth in the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But you know him for he dwelleth with you. Watch this now. He, he makes the promise to these believers, he shall be in you. Now how many of you know after the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came and indwelled the church? And now everybody that is born again, listen, is baptized into the church by the precious Holy Spirit. Again, you are now the temple of God. So Jesus made His promise real to you and to me. And He says this, watch, verse 26. But the Comforter, that Parakletos, that one who comes alongside to help, the, the one that's just like Jesus, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name. He shall, watch this now, teach you. How many know sometimes we need some teaching? We need answers to problems in our lives that we can't fix. We need wisdom to know how to handle each situation that we enter into. We need teaching in the battle so that we might overcome and gain the victory. Are you getting me? 
He teaches you. He guides you. He comforts you. He walks with you every step of the way. So how do we conquer? It's through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. His work in us and through us. But let me give you another one. It's also through inspiration of the Word of God. You know, the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, all the Word of God is Holy Spirit inspired. And it is profitable for us. Folks, I want to tell you something. The psalmist says it like this, Psalms 119, 105. He said, the Word of God is like a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It shows us in the dark which way to go. You're in the middle of your battle. You don't know which way to go. You don't know where to turn. Turn to the Word of God. Take God's truth and apply it to your situation. Apply it to your circumstance. Apply it in your battle. Listen, take it, hear it, and heed it. Those are two things you do. You've got to do if you're going to win the battle. I'm telling you. You've got to hear God's Word. Then you've got to heed God's Word. Hearing is getting it in you. <laughs> Putting it in your mind, meditating on it. Heeding it is going out and doing what God's Word says. How many of you know if you hear it but you don't heed it, it's not going to do you not one bit of good? See, the truth is you can come to, you can come to church Sunday in, Sunday out. You can sit in services just like this one. You can sit in uh, Sunday school, small group, whatever we go to, whatever we're doing. Wednesday night Bible study. And you can hear the truth proclaimed and you should do that. And I'm glad you are. Praise God for you being here. But if you all you do is hear it in here on Sunday, but you don't then heed it when you walk out these doors on Monday, does it really matter what happened on Sunday? It don't if it's not impacting your life. And I'll promise you, you're never going to gain the victory in the battles that you face until you start applying God's truth to your life. You've got to do that. You want a better marriage? Apply God's truth to your life. Listen, you want uh, help with, with your kids? Apply God's truth in your life. Do that. See if it don't work. See if it's not the light that you need in your pathway. The lamp unto your feet. 2 Timothy 2.15, brother, can you put that up there for me, please? Many of you know this scripture, and, and, and we need to get a hold of this. How many of you know, if you don't know the Word of God, you can't do the Word of God? So the Apostle Paul told Timothy, his son in the faith, he said, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth. Look at me. All you sitting right here. Listen to me very carefully. I got, a, I got a challenge for you. Very simple. In the book of Proverbs, there are 31 chapters. 31. That's not many. Can you read 30, Can you read a chapter a day for the next 31 days starting today? Sure you can. And let me tell you what I want you to do. I want you to get down before the Lord. Okay? I want you to say, Lord, I need your truth. I want to know what you say. I believe what you say is profitable for me. I want to take your truth and apply it to my life. And if you'll get serious with God, he'll get serious with you. Then you get in that scripture. You read through that chapter every day and see how God will speak to your heart. Will you do that? Now, you just committed that. Are you going to do it? You know what the Bible says? It's better to not even make an oath and break it 
Or excuse me, it's, not, it's better not to make an oath if you're going to break it. So, so don't break your oath. You just made it to me and I made it to you. I'm going to read Proverbs the next 31 days and I want you to too. Got me? All you other young people, you got me? How shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereunto the word of God. Amen. But you got to start getting this in you and studying it for yourself and Quit just trusting what everybody else says. What's God speak to you? Man, it makes all the difference, doesn't it? This Bible will burst a flame in your hand if you'll take time to get in it. The book of James says in James 1.22 that we should not just be hearers of the word but doers also. It's good to hear it. But we must heed it. We must do it. Apply it. If you want to win in your battle, you need the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. That's paramount. That's key. Without his power, you can't face the troubles you face and overcome. You just can't do it. Number two, you need inspiration of the word. Number three, you need inclusion of self-control. Listen to me. A lot of people think, well, just because I'm saved, I'm going to make it. I'm going to get by everything. I'm going to overcome. Let me say this. You still have free will. Each and every one of you. And just because you've trusted in Jesus and been born again, that does not mean that you can't still do what you want to do. Amen? Because you can. So what you need to change and what we must change is what we want to do. Now, how do we change what we want to do? Well, I'll tell you how. We relinquish our will or our desire to his desire. And we say, God, I know that now I have committed my life to you. How many know the Christian life is about commitment? It's not about just saying a prayer and and, and signing a cord and, and going through the baptistry. Listen, it's about committing yourself to Jesus. It's about me saying it's no longer my, my life, Lord, what I want, what I say. It's what you want, what you say. I'm bought with a price, praise God. And it's a joy to serve him. I'm telling you, so many people miss out on the joy in their salvation simply because they're not relinquishing their will to his. He needs to be Lord of your life. Amen. And so what I'm saying is this. You can do what you want to do. You still have free will. How I many know there's never, that, that, the, real, true love doesn't exist without free will. If God makes us or creates us to do everything just like uh, He wants us to do it, is that real love? Is that true love? No, that's a bunch of robots. Could God have done that? Absolutely. Why didn't He do that? Because He wanted us to love Him, really love Him. Not be made to serve him. I never forget one time my grandmother. We we always uh, for for years we'd um, go to her house first thing after school. And I grew up with two brothers, and so a lot of times there was a knockdown, dragout fight at grandma's house every evening. We fought like cats and dogs. I'm not talking about just play fighting. I'm talking about busted noses and black eyes, um, broke arms. We had my my uh, little brother, my middle brother broke my little brother's arm one time. I'll never forget that. Just all kind of stuff like that going on all the time. 
And so we was up at my grandmother's house fighting one day, and when we get to fighting, she, she'd just get beside herself, mainly because she didn't want to see us get hurt, uh, but also it just got on her nerves. It, she, she couldn't handle it, you know, and, and she just broke down went to crying. And I, I'd a lot rather for my mama or my grandma or anybody else, I'd a lot rather just whoop me good than to cry, because when they cry, it broke my heart, and it broke my brother's heart. And she's sitting there just sobbing, just crying. We sat down by her and we said, Mama, what's wrong? And she's, boys, I just can't handle it when you fight like that. And I said, Mama, I love you. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. She said, son, don't tell me you love me. Show, you me. Show me you love me. You know what God is saying to each and every one of us? Don't tell him you love him. Show him you love him. Include in this equation some self-control. Get committed to the things of God. A lot of people think, well, as long as I read and the Bible, as long as I pray, then I, I, I operate in these spiritual disciplines, that I'm going to be able to overcome whatever I face, whatever temptation, whatever battle I have. Let me say something. It takes some self-control too. Amen? I'm just going to be very honest with you this morning. I, I don't want to brag on my past or give glory to my past, but I do want to tell you this because it's the truth. I know what my limits are. I know what problems I have. For years, I loved the party lifestyle. I loved um, illegal drugs. I had a problem with painkillers. So you know what I do now? I don't take painkillers. The strongest thing I take, and, and, and don't get me wrong, some people need them and got to have I'm not saying that. I'm just saying for me, the strongest thing I take is Tylenol or Advil. And, until, and I pray that the Lord keeps it that way because I know how weak I am to that substance. So I don't want to put myself in that position. There was a time in my life when I didn't think I could function in the mornings if I didn't have a joint to smoke before I went to work. I didn't think I could make it. So guess what I do? I don't smoke dope. I just stay away from it. Guess what else I do? I don't hang out with people who do that. Let me tell you why I say that. Because listen, not that I'm better than those folks. I love those folks. But I know what Jesus said is true to his disciples. The spirit indeed is willing. I've got a desire within me to serve God. But Jesus said the flesh is weak. So listen to me, folks. Operate in self-control. Include some self-control in this equation. I want you to know this. If you've got a problem with pornography, listen, listen to me, folks. We talked about this in men's group about three weeks, our, our last meeting. Jesus said, if your right hand offends you, cut it off. If you've got a problem with pornography and you've got a smartphone in your hand with access to millions of pornographic websites, I'd get rid of my smartphone if that's what it takes. Include some self-control. Do everything you can to stand. The Bible says in the book of James chapter 4, resist the devil and he will flee. What's the problem though? A lot of times we don't operate or include self-control in this equation and we don't resist. You want me to tell you why? Because what we do feels good to the flesh. Somebody say amen. That's truth right there, isn't it? 
And so you've got to make a choice, a conscious choice. Am I going to walk in the flesh or am I going to walk in the spirit? Am I going to be what God wants? Am I going to live for Jesus or am I going to live for Israel? You've got to make, the, you've got to make that decision. Mom and daddy can't make this for you. Amen. You've got to make it for yourself. Oh, gosh. You can't overcome. There is victory through the one who loved you. You are more than a conqueror. But you've got to include some self-control in this. God will do his part. I promise you that. You do yours. Everybody stand together. This is your invitation today. First of all, have you been born again by the power of God? If you've not been born again, why not today? Why not today? What are you waiting on? My goodness. Today is the day you need to trust in Jesus. I'll promise you this. You'll never regret it. You'll never regret it. I've heard it said, and maybe you have too. I've heard people give testimonies like this. I tell you what, man, when I met Jesus, everything changed. Everything changed. And they make it sound as though from that moment on, they never again had problem with sin. They never again faltered or stumbled. They never again chose to disobey God. From that moment on, man, they just sailed right on through. Maybe that's true for some people. I hope it is. But I'm going to be just as blatantly honest with you as I can possibly be. That's not true for me. How many of you understand this morning, this is a growing process. I am daily having to die to this flesh. And if you're honest today, you are too. You're having to continually crucify self so that you may live for Jesus. That's what the Bible says in Romans 6. We've continually got to include that self-control and say, Lord, I want to do it your way today. And by His power, He helps you to do that. Maybe you failed. You've chosen to disobey God some way. Guess what? That's what grace is for. And the same grace that saved you, child of God, is the grace that is sufficient for you right here this morning. Don't continually operate and wallow in. Sin that you know is displeasing to God. Ask Him to forgive you today. Turn from it today. Repent of it today. And walk with the Lord. Maybe they just need to rededicate your life. Say, Lord, I want to serve you with everything I've got for as long as I've got. Help me to do that. He will. He will. You need to be saved. You need to rededicate your life. You need to join the church. You need to be baptized. I'm telling you, folks, all of that is available. All of that is needful. This invitation is for you. Don't wait. Come on this first stanza. We're not going to tarry in this. We're not going to just drag it on out. But I do want to give you an opportunity. What you need, you come.